This episode of a sassy little podcast for getting over it is proudly sponsored by Rooted Planning Group. Financial planning is as important as a physical. Financial health matters too, and it's time to get your money in shape. Whether you're just starting out, planning a big purchase, looking toward retirement, or recovering from hardship, Rooted Planning Group is there for you. Take the first step toward your financial goals by visiting rootedpg.com. Welcome to a sassy little podcast for getting over it. I'm your host, Sandra Ann Miller. Today we're talking about getting the F over food fads because basic nutrition is, well, pretty basic. Our guest is a registered dietitian nutritionist in San Diego County. She's also a culinary school graduate, and her private practice, Savor and Soothe, is where she focuses on promoting health of the gut brain axis and reducing symptoms caused by inflammatory conditions through nutrition therapy and culinary skills development. She believes in health at every size and is president elect of the California Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics San Diego Board. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Gloria Davis Browning. Hi. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Well, it's so nice to have you here. Thanks so much for having this discussion with me. Of course. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I'm fascinated by how we're still embracing paleo and keto and intermittent fasting, Mm -hmm. as opposed to just embracing the basics of nutrition, eating whole natural foods, meaning nothing processed, cooking it in a healthy way, meaning don't deep fry it or sauce it to death. (laughs) and eating moderate amounts of lean protein, of which bacon is not. (laughs) It's not. It's not. (laughs) And we're so weird in America when it comes to our food. And I don't understand how you can vilify a potato Mm -hmm. and claim that bacon is good for you. I mean, that's just the biggest load of horseshit. And yet... (laughs) People like believe it, live for it, and totally embrace it. And and I and I just just don't get it. Yeah, understandably. So it's it's just for me, I guess the basics of it is how you feel. So I feel like doing anything overly restrictive mm-hmm. automatically puts you on a path that is not healthy and not sustainable for one thing. So it's right. it's any of these fad diets. Um, they work great for some people. I'll just start out saying that, you know, but it's just, it's not a one size fits all type of thing. And a lot of times there's a lot of like calculating and tracking and, you know, which there's a whole eating disorder population that Mm -hmm. people might not know they're a part of that they could easily become a part of in being so fastidious and so focused and so even sometimes obsessed with Mm -hmm. what a lot of these fad diets require. And a a lot of them, you know, some of them start out as medical diets, like Mm -hmm. uh, just taking keto, for example. It starts out mainly for people with uh, neurological conditions, like, or it's it's prescribed actually, for people with neurological conditions like epilepsy or uh, narcolepsy, just to help kind of regulate those conditions. But people will take it and just be 
like, oh, that sounds great. Like, and they, they just really take the, like the cliff notes version of it mm-hmm. <laughs> and try to apply it, which is, I mean, which is fine if you're, if you're able to do all that research and by research, I don't mean like influencer blogs or, you know, sort of things <laughs> like that, because you just, you just never know not to knock those. Cause some of them are very well informed. And like I, the point I was getting to is that some people can do the research and do it correctly, you know, like, mm-hmm. and by correctly, I mean, as it's medically intended. But if you don't have any of those conditions, it's, you know, it's, it's just, like I said, a, a dangerous road to go down. Because it's, it's just really difficult to, like when you see results, because from what I've experienced, not not personally, but what what I've seen in other people and what I've heard and the research mm-hmm. I've seen, it does work for weight loss. But then the second you deviate from it, it's, you know, and it doesn't work for weight loss for everybody, but the people it does work for, uh, you know, it's like I said, they have to keep it up and they have to make sure that they don't step like one, like one meal out of line. And that's not the way that most people want to live, you know, it, like, right. I'll keep saying over and over again, it works for some people to just like go to a party and be like, no, I brought my own snacks and, you know, that sort of thing, which is, you know, sometimes the way that people with diabetes and other conditions have to live. They're just like, I don't, you know, I can't, I have to come prepared and things like that. Like road trip snacks are a huge thing for me because (laughs) it's like I'm developing a a handout right now or like a, a guide to road trip snacks because I know that's where I need the most help is like when I go into a 7-Eleven on a long road trip what can I get that is not going to be like super I don't know what am I trying to say it's not going to be like well it's something that's a little bit more healthy yeah exactly yeah (laughs) which is very hard exactly well and that's also we should really define what healthy is because I think Americans are very gullible to that. Yes. Because we will believe, we will look at Honey Nut Cheerios and think it's a healthy food because it says mm-hmm. so on the box. Yeah. And that's advertising. That's bought and paid for. And no, it's processed. Right. It's full of sugar. It's not healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And so healthy, healthy is just one of those terms that I... <laughs> I try to use in moderation <laughs> because it's, you know, everybody has their own interpretation of it, whether you're talking about like, okay, I eat really great, but am I, I don't exercise at all. So am I healthy? I exercise all the time, but I also eat like, you know, chips for dinner. Am I healthy? You know, and not that any of those things is bad because like, uh, you know, I, I'm a really big believer in intuitive eating. Mm-hmm. And so whatever your body like as far as portion sizes and foods you want to eat, you know, your body will let you know what it needs. Mm-hmm. And so with intuitive eating, it's really listening to hunger and fullness cues, making sure that you have water, you know, because <laughs> some people are like, I'm hungry all the time. And they drink like a glass of water a day. And it's just, you know, a lot of times it's your body asking for water. So it's like, right, let me just get whatever I can in me to get some water, <laughs> you know, like, I'm craving a soda. I'm craving craving like whatever, you know, just like pudding just so I can get some water in me because mm-hmm. obviously you're not doing a good job drinking your water. <laughs> but as far as, you know, like cravings, a lot of times they're – I've seen so many great little like quick guides because, you know, that's what everybody wants is like quick and easy of like what if you're craving cake, 
then your body is craving sugar, which means it's craving carbohydrates, which means you can have some, you know, like whole wheat crackers and cheese and, you know, like things like that, where it's just, you can have a snack that is on the healthier side, like apples and peanut butter or whatever, instead Mm -hmm. of a piece of cake, because your body is just like, what do I know that you like that you will eat that will get me carbs (laughs) that will get me sugar? And so, you know, and a lot of it is textural too, because I know Mm -hmm. that I love crunchy foods. Me too. I just get so much satisfaction out of that, right? It's just, it's so satisfying to me. And that is definitely a huge part of what we eat is mouthfeel and textures. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people who have sensitivities too, like people um, with conditions like autism or things like that where they have sensory issues mm-hmm. they they cannot eat crunchy foods or like extremely soft foods and it obviously it's a case by case um on a case by case basis but with so with crunchy foods it's like okay so chips are crunchy but carrots are also crunchy <laughs> so i really try to and sometimes have the chips you know i'm not saying that's a huge thing is like good foods and bad foods do not exist in my world like they're all foods some mm-hmm. of them we should eat much less frequently <laughs> And some of them we should eat much more frequently. So, but I'm never going to deny myself, you know, a piece of cake. And then like, I keep going back to cake as an example. I must be craving cake, but (laughs) (laughs) no, but I'm just kidding. But um, it's, you know, with cake, people are like, oh, diabetics can't have cake. And it's like, well, you know, there are so many different substitutions or modifications you can make Mm -hmm. to cake. And it's still a cake, but it's not like you know, a store-bought cake with like an inch of frosting on it and whatever. Mm -hmm. And so it's about gradual changes. And that is what everybody, I feel like, is not, not everybody, nobody, (laughs) like I should stay away from these exclusive terms, but you're fine. that's, that's what many people are not willing to do because they're like, oh, I need, you know, I need to lose X amount of pounds by X date. And it's like, you know, it's a, it's a very fast turnaround time that they're looking mm-hmm. for. And they're not necessarily looking for the gradual changes, which are also the lasting changes, right? which I'm a proponent of because, you know, the weight, honestly, the weight didn't come on overnight in most cases. Right. You know, like sometimes there are certain conditions that cause rapid weight gain or certain medications, things like that, which I understand. And it's shocking to people when they're like, I was always at a healthy weight and then I made this one change in my lifestyle and my diet or whatever, or I got this condition diagnosis and it happened quickly. So I want to reverse it quickly. But it's about adjusting and, and just not shocking your system you know, because that is how some of these fad diets work too, is shocking Mm -hmm. your system. And then all of a sudden, oh my God, I lost, you know, 10 pounds in a week. And it's just, they're like, these are great results. This is what I want. And then they gain double the weight back just Mm -hmm. as fast. And then they're super discouraged. Like, well, what did I do wrong? I ate, you know, like this brownie at my friend's party. And then it learns, it turns into this disordered eating mentality or just even stricter, restrictions on Mm -hmm. what they're eating. And so I think what you were saying is totally right, where you just want the whole foods more when you can, you know, like you just want to gravitate, build your base of what you're eating in whole foods, where it most resembles its natural shape. So like apples versus applesauce versus like, like apple cinnamon Cheerios, or whatever. <laughs> you know, so you want to eat apple the cobbler. 
Right. <laughs> it's like, where's the apple in here? I think that's what that's a chunk. Yeah. And it, it's it's really interesting because so I went to culinary school, as you mentioned, and mm-hmm. I took a class that really got me into nutritional uh, the, like the nutrition realm. And it was called nutritional cooking. Mm-hmm. And it was about substitutions and things that you can do. So uh, like you were talking about with apple cobbler, and I was talking about with cake, like how to do that well. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is just reversing the ratio. Because if you just want to take like a normal recipe of apple cobbler, for example, and just switch the ratio. So it's not like 75% crumble, and 25% actual fruit, and then the fruit is like tossed in sugar and stuff, try it with just the apple, maybe with like honey or something, like Mm -hmm. some other type of sugar, dates or date, like dates are very sweet on their own, and they Mm -hmm. have a ton of vitamins. Mm -hmm. So that's a really great substitution for sugar. Or And by sugar, I mean like white granulated sugar. Right. And... Then, you know, just make your crumble out of like oats, add some, add less sugar, use like, you know, coconut oil or some other different type of fat, whatever works for your particular situation instead of butter. Mm-hmm. And because I love butter, I'm never going to tell people not to eat, <laughs> not to eat butter. Um, but, you know, maybe just I'm all about mixtures mm-hmm. so that it's like, you can still enjoy like a little bit of the flavor. Like usually when I cook things, I use a mixture of a little bit of butter, maybe like a teaspoon of butter and then, or like one part butter, three parts olive oil Mm -hmm. or so. So, you know, so you still get that, like the properties Mm -hmm. and the taste of the butter, but it's not all butter, you know? And then like, if you're trying to go more plant-based, having tacos, like say, uh, like ground beef mixed with lentils, and you really can't tell like when it's mushed like that or like when yeah. it's in a taco or enchiladas, whatever, do like, you know, 50-50 or 25-75 lentils and meat until, you know, you can, you just get like the desired feel and taste that you're looking for. And I think we need to also rediscover what portion size actually is because, yes. you know, if especially when we're, you know, I have a current love affair with um, grain-free t- tortilla chips from uh, late July. They are delicious. Oh, yeah. But the portion size is ridiculously small. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. Like, you're not getting six servings out of this bag. Let's just be honest. But even that, you know, I do portion it out because it is that crunch thing for me. And I will just keep on crunching through it because I enjoy that. It's very satisfying. Oh, yeah. Um, but when we're looking at like the size of a chicken breast, mm-hmm. the, the, the serving of a meat portion, what it actually is dietetically versus what we're typically served, our, our portion sizes are very skewed in America. I mean, we did mm-hmm. bring about the super big gulp. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we aren't really good about a normal portion size. We just want bigger and more and, you know, supersize it. So learning what an actual portion size is, is a really kind of shocking lesson. I think there was the book, The Portion Teller, that oh. came out shortly after Super Size Me. I believe it was Morgan Spurlock's girlfriend. Oh, okay. Who wrote the book, If if yeah. Memory Serves, because this was a while ago. And it was really interesting. It's like it's the palm of your hand or a deck of cards. So yes. you can kind of see what that portion is. Mm-hmm. And I think a serving of rice is really a half cup. Mm-hmm. 
do we ever put a half a cup of rice on our, <laughs> our plate? No. Right. And we need to kind of have a perspective on that. And it's not to say that you've got to follow it and measure everything out, but maybe go back to measuring it every once in a while so you have an idea of what the actual portion is so you aren't consuming more calories than you intend. Even if it is a quote-unquote healthy food, it's remembering that, you know, this is a normal size potato, not the gigantic potato that we can pick up in the store. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, this is the serving of rice or beans or whatever, just so we have an idea. Because for us, you know, I think we have this idea that we have this inalienable right to consume copious amounts of whatever without any repercussions. And then when there are repercussions, we're really pissed off about it because we were told it was healthy or we were told it was good for us or we told right. we could or it was low calorie or whatever. And we're not reading the labels and we're not looking at portion sizes. And so then we're just really frustrated because we think we're doing it right and or maybe not or maybe just not getting the full information because we're not flipping over that bag or box and reading the label and being very disappointed to find that there was supposed to be six servings in this bag, right? not, not <laughs> three. Yeah. Cause it's, it's really, I, I love that there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack there. I'm trying to keep my thoughts focused. <laughs> Sorry. No, 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 it's fine. But, um, first of all, I'm going to say, cause I think that the most important thing is just do your research. You know, mm -hmm. if that's the most important thing to me, because I'm like, if you, I'm happy to give that as free advice to anyone is just look at who, because I, I mean, I'll admit, I deal with this with my mom on a regular basis, because <laughs> she's one of those people who is sweet and just like believes everything on the internet, you know, like a chiropractor wrote this, a doctor wrote this, so mm -hmm. it must be true. Or like I read this on the internet. So it must be true. You know, she, we've come a little bit of ways away from that. Uh, we've grown a little, but I just ask her to like, see who wrote it and see if they link to evidence in their article. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest thing to, for me, because it's great if, like I said, like an influencer, a blogger, a chiropractor, doctor, whoever wrote it, as long as they're linking to evidence and facts in their article, because some of these it's just like a blog post and they'll be like, oh yeah, and this is this and that is that and that's it. Buy my product or or even without the little, uh, Sign up you know. Sign my program. <laughs> right. Even without the little like uh, push at the end, they'll just spew information and that's why you have to be so careful because there's a lot of information out there and I think the mm -hmm. most dangerous information is that that starts out with fact but then is like picked apart or like I'm going to agree with this and like eliminate that. And, you know, it's just very tailored to that mm -hmm. person's specific passion or what they're trying to get out of sharing that information. And so I think it's just so important to have it linked to like a scientific journal article or a, you know, a study or a quote from someone who is reputable. And then once again, that's like healthy, like what does reputable mean to you? Mm -hmm. And so it's, but I think it's just really important because people think, well, doctors are doctors and a lot of, and, and so they are educated in all things, but it's no. not always the case. There are some doctors who are excellent at what they, you know, they're, they're specifically in it for the nutrition aspect of it. There are doctors who have, who are PhD, RD, 
uh, or MDRD who are specifically in, you know, nutrition. And then there are like, uh, for example, gastroenterologists or things who have a huge connection with nutrition because they deal with the stomach and the digestive Mm -hmm. system and what goes into it and what will harm it and what will benefit it. And the thing is too, don't just go with one source, go with a few different sources, like getting a second opinion at a doctor's office, you know, like if one person is saying it and everybody else is saying something else, it's, you know, there's a a chance that they might be off on their own little saga, you know? So just (laughs) verifying it and seeing, because, you know, of course there are pioneers who are like the first person who are saying things, but usually I like to get two or three sources to back up what I'm saying to other people because this is other people's health that I have in my hands and I'm trying to make sure that I verify that and you know like the like the thing with food labels I'm I'm really glad that there's some sort of you know there's well there's been a lot of legislation in how they're formatted what's on them and things like that and it's really misleading like you were saying when the the calories is huge so it says 150 calories and then in tiny print above that it says 18 servings in this package, you know? Right. And so for, I love for a, that. For a quarter cup. <laughs> for a quarter yeah. cup. Right. So I love that, like, just for example, with soda, it'll say on the label, uh, you know, 150 calories or whatever per serving, but there are 2.5 servings in this bottle. So the total bottle has this many calories. And I love that. It's such a small shift, but, mm-hmm. and, you know, some people still don't read that, but that's one of the big things that I think about in the education context, because I do think I do grocery store tours. Right. And part of that is how to read a label. And, you know, a big thing is like, which, which supermarket puts the food label facing out? None of them. So it's unless someone accidentally, you know, someone put it back and left it backwards because it's all about marketing and front facing and storefronting and things like that, which I understand. The simple step of grabbing the product that looks, you know, the most appealing to you, turning it around and reading for food labels is the first step. Mm -hmm. And then from there saying, what does this mean? And then it's based off of uh, this like a standard 2000 calorie diet or whatever. Like, do you know how many calories you're supposed to be eating? Because these might not be accurate percentages for you. So obviously, a lot of my what I'm saying is going off of education, because mm-hmm. I do have a master's in education as well. So I, I'm just so passionate about that. And that's why I went that route is because I feel like that is the solution to getting people healthier and like making these lifestyle changes mm-hmm. is giving them the, the confidence and the skills to be able to, you know, because you can tell them things. Uh, it's like teach a man to fish, right? Like right. Give, a, give a man a fish, teach a man to fish. Um, so you you give them a little bit of education to get them started or like a little bit of facts and then teach them how to find more of those facts on their mm-hmm. own. And it's just, it's so important to me for them to be self-sufficient and which is why I'm huge on culinary skills because, you know, as far as the cost of foods, um, like in the grocery stores and things like that, it's like, okay, so you have fresh green beans, you have frozen green beans, you have canned green beans, and they're all green beans. But just being able to prepare it yourself might save you some money and some time. And some sodium. And some sodium, yes. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, because it's just really easy to go to fast food, Mm -hmm. uh, like fast food restaurant, and be like, I have no time, I have no money, so I'm going to go to a fast food restaurant and feed my family. Where you can make a casserole 
with just a little bit of skill, you know, and know-how. And, you know, produce tends to be cheap depending on what area you're in because there are food deserts and things like that, which is a right. different podcast, but <laughs> a different episode. <laughs> yes. But, you know, in general, you can make a healthy meal for your family that is comparable per serving to a fast food meal. But it mm -hmm. just takes that time. It takes the preparation. It takes the research. Um, and then the know-how and then being savvy as far as what to get to put in it, you know, like how to, because right. it's, it's so much involved in it because you have to budget for it. You have mm -hmm. to make sure it's balanced nutritionally. You have to know, like, say you need a certain amount of protein, carbs and, and fat in it um, and certain nutrients. So which foods are the best for that? And that's what, that's where the gap is. And that's what I'm really trying to close is like, you know, just with a few knife skills or like how to learn how to cook uh just some like some basic ways mm -hmm. how much more people can expand their their nutritional expertise um and just live healthier lives and we almost look at cooking for ourselves as a punishment mm -hmm. you know we're we're very fortunate in this country to have so many options for food right and you know we we should also mention that in very poor cities there isn't a grocery store necessarily mm -hmm. down the block. I mean, you have right. liquor stores, convenience stores, and fast food, but not mm -hmm. a Ralph's or a Trader Joe's or things that we take for granted. When we drive down a, a street, there are eight different options for right. food, for grocery stores. It's yeah. not that way in poorer neighborhoods. Absolutely. So yeah. it's much harder. And if you're living in a poor neighborhood, chances are you are working more than one job, you're exhausted, mm -hmm. and the easier option would be to grab something out of a can or from the dollar menu and just have it be done. Yeah. But as a general rule, and I think it, it's changed a little bit, well, it had to in lockdown, <laughs> we were cooking more for ourselves and we were having fun with yeah. it and everybody was doing sourdough and <laughs> whatnot yeah. and, and banana bread <laughs> exactly <laughs> but it's we we still see that as a punishment because not only do you need the time to buy the food and prepare the food and cook the food then you have to wash the dishes that made the food and mm -hmm. you, whereas if you just go get a bag of something or have a bag of something delivered to you it's all disposable and to me, I get a little bristly about that because it's all very bad for the environment. Right. And we need to shift that perspective of it's a punishment to cook our food mm -hmm. or it's a reward to have food brought to us. Yeah. Because there, one, it's not healthy. It's going to be full of sodium and or sugar and or fat because all food that tastes really, really good has one or all of those things. It is full of salt, it is full of sugar, or it is full of fat. That's why it tastes so good. Yeah. And then you have all of that stuff that's coming in, the bag, the plastic that it containers, the plastic utensils, and all of that is not being recycled. So it's a bigger issue. But right. you're going to end up saving more time and more calories if you do it yourself, and if you choose just the basic whole foods, not processed, mm -hmm. and prepare them in a lovely way. And you can do that with a lot of flavor, without a lot of fat, without a lot of salt, without a lot of sugar, 
by just learning the basics. And I I don't mean to demonize fast food restaurants because like with my fast food <laughs> example, or I sorry, not fast food, my road trip example, a lot of times that's all there is to eat at, or you're trying to get somewhere. You're like, right. we need to get here before sundown or we need to make it for check-in. We need to set up the tent, whatever. And so we need to just like go through a drive-through. And so that's part of the educational piece is like, okay, so if I can't cook it myself, mm-hmm. what is the what is the best choice for me on this? How can and people a lot of people don't know that they can't that they can modify stuff or they're right. afraid to modify it because they're like, oh, they're gonna spit in my food or whatever, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like that's there's you know, I personally order from apps sometimes, especially during this pandemic, and mm-hmm. they have a whole menu of you can put like, okay, add extra lettuce, like no tomato, whatever, no mayo, and things like that. And that will save you. Uh, so many calories. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just you can modify what they have because a lot of them, a lot of the fast food restaurants through legislation, and like you're saying, kind of because they've had to, to stay competitive, have made these substitutions to their menus where they'll have salads now or they'll have mm-hmm. part fruit and yogurt parfaits for breakfast. And they have those options. And they're not always the ones that are front and center, but they're right. there. And even if you have to get one of the bad foods or whatever, you know, like a like a sausage sandwich or something like that. That's not a bad food. It's just, you know, thinking about the whole picture of your day Mm -hmm. and what you're going to eat. And, you know, like, are you having that with a 24 ounce soda or with a, you know, something else? Like, what are you pairing it with? And you don't want to starve yourself and be like, well, I'm starving, but it's, you know, we're at this fast food restaurant, so I'm just not going to eat anything because nothing here is good. It's, it's more important to eat something and fuel your body than to make sure that it's like a perfect meal right. or whatever. Like I love, and just a side note on the, the soda sizes. I don't know if you're a Parks and Rec fan. I, I didn't see but, it. It's not, it's not to say I'm not a fan. I just didn't watch it. Yeah, but th- so there's this episode where um, Leslie, who's the main character, mm-hmm. is she has this restaurant that's trying to come into town and she's trying to get them blocked. I think I might have it wrong, but the point is they have, they're bringing in like samples of their, Oh no, I think it's a, it's an existing restaurant and they're trying to change their soda sizes and uh, because they're just super unhealthy. And she's like, we need to, there are people who are upset about this. And so she's like, bring, bring them in so I can see. And so they're like, we have this size, this size, this size. And they're just like, bigger and bigger and then she's like and then we have a toddler size and she's like oh that sounds great give me that one and it's like this big (laughs) like two (laughs) feet tall and she's like how is this toddler size and the lady's like well it's the size of a toddler yeah (laughs) so I just thought that was so funny just being in my field it's so accurate though I mean not not funny but yeah well it is it is funny because it's it's so absurd yet (laughs) truthful yeah. And, right. you know, it's like when you go to the movies, it's everything is so gigantic and it's only five cents more. So why wouldn't you get the gigantic? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, exactly. I don't, I don't need the gigantic. And yeah, if you look back at what the sizes were in the 50s or the 60s or the mm-hmm. 70s before we started blowing everything up, like what a regular was, what was that, like an eight ounce or, yeah. or something? It was, that's what I mean by portion sizes. Right. We have now just exploded with the sizes. And with that comes the calories. 
and the sodium mm-hmm. and the fat and the sugar. So it's not just one thing. It's it's all of it. So you're eating way more than you need to. It's not satisfying because your body really doesn't recognize it. I mean, they've done studies on McDonald's. That stuff never rots. <laughs> yeah. Bugs won't go near it. Uh-huh. Birds won't eat it. Like there is, there's nothing food about that food, in my opinion. Yeah. Please don't sue me, McDonald's. But I believe right. that there are <laughs> reports out there like a hamburger that's been sitting out for two or three or four years. Yeah, looks just like it was made the other day. You know, mm-hmm. so it's that's that's something to keep in mind. Like the the amount of preservatives in these foods. Yeah. The manufacturing of these foods. I mean, we've mm-hmm. seen the pink slime videos and all of that. It's yeah. not to say that it's wrong. It's just a different way of being processed. But it's not a natural food at that point. Right. And these companies are, they're businesses. So they're looking mm-hmm. to cut costs wherever they can. And, you know, while keeping their consumers safe and they're, you know, like following the rules and things like that. But it's it comes down to business for a lot of companies, you know, and the, the bigger companies. Mm-hmm. And so it's understandable that they would want to keep the status quo and, you know, grow their profits even more because that's what, you know, the basics of what business is about, me being a business major and everything. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, I, that's from what my understanding is that, you know, you want to you want to make the profits where you can. And that's sure. where people are like, oh, you know, fast food is so much cheaper than a wholesome meal. And it's like, well, if, if something is that cheap, because sometimes it doesn't compare. Sometimes it's like, okay, well, if I want to have this this fresh, delicious meal that I made myself, it's going to be maybe twice the cost per serving or, you know, one and a half times the cost, whatever, or more. And especially if people want to eat organic foods or mm-hmm. locally grown things from the farmer's market, things like that, those tend to be a little higher in price. And it depends on your personal fa- family situation, but sometimes it's that it's that decision that dictates what you eat. And, you know, that's a decision that you have to make in your own personal situation. But the ingredients that they use are cheaper because they are more processed. And so mm-hmm. it's it's kind of, you it's, it's unfortunate, but you have to make the decision between like, do I want something that I can't pronounce the ingredients in <laughs> that is cheaper? Or do I want to spend a little bit more and you know, get something that is not going to wreak as much havoc on my body. And I'll tell you right now, I'm not speaking from my high horse here because I grew up in a household where we didn't have the luxury of making that decision. It was like, well, this is how much we have left this week. And so this is, we're going to have to wreak havoc on our bodies (laughs) because we can afford this more processed product over this Mm -hmm. more whole natural one. And my mom was great about nutrition and portion sizes. And, you know, we would have ramen like top ramen mm-hmm. um for dinner but she would add a can of no salt added green beans to it you know so that's what i'm talking about where it's like if you have to eat a food that is not like at the top of the everyone's healthy list to at least you know add some vegetables to it right. add some add some fruit to your cereal you know if you're just having like a a plain cereal or even a sugary cereal cuz it's cheaper mm-hmm. you know add some sort of some sort of fiber to it, like add some apple. Because when you have those combinations, the nutrients hit different and they benefit right. your body. Like the there are certain nutrient duos that help with absorption or with 
um, you know, like how fast the sugar gets digested. Like mm-hmm. that's why they say a, a whole apple is better than apple juice because mm-hmm. it like the fiber helps your body process the sugar better, basically. And it doesn't spike your glucose level as much. And so going back to the portion sizes, though, I, I keep thinking about it because like you were talking about ordering if you order something from someone, they set the portion size. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times I would order things like say I would order Chinese food and it would last me three days. My body is is tuned to portion sizes, but a lot of people or, you know, portion sizes that work for me that are a little on the smaller side. But for some people, they've been eating these large portions for so long that they'll go to a restaurant and look at a plate and be like, where's the rest of my food? Right. Because like I go to, you know, some place, I don't want to mention any like <laughs> specific <laughs> names, but, um, you know, you go to some place and the dinner plate is bigger than your head. Right. And it's like, like you're saying a half cup of rice. It's like two cups of rice. And it's like, is this all for me? You know, right. and the meat, it's like half rice, half meat. And then there's like vegetables sprinkled on the meat. I'm sure it tastes great, but I just love the the dish like the the ones that are able to the restaurants that are able to portion like at least even out the portions a little right. bit and follow the whole you know USDA my plate you know because uh you know USDA the USDA tries to appeal or you know like advise the masses mm-hmm. so they have to be kind of vague or kind of generic because everybody's asking them like well what am i supposed to eat what works for me and that's why it's so important to get some sort of medical professional or health professional involved if you're mm-hmm. trying to figure out what works specifically for you because there are all the biometrics of of your body and how your specific body works and everybody's different so mm-hmm. anything that says like oh this is uh like a one size fits all is usually like usually it needs to go beyond that you know, of course you can say like what we're saying, like it's better if you eat mostly whole foods, like that's true. But then it's like, well, I ate a whole donut, you know? So like you need to, (laughs) you need to (laughs) have that education because some people literally, and there's all sorts of differences in education and they don't know what you're talking about. I know that a particular struggle for me in education was like, I would get feedback all the time. Like this is way too over people's heads like they're not going to know what you're talking about you got to start with like like you got to step it down three times Mm -hmm. to first explain this then explain this then get to what you're talking about because it's not going to do anybody any good and they say that pamphlets in doctor's offices for example are supposed to be at an eighth grade reading level because that is you know they've done studies and it has to be understandable to people well, it has to be glanceable. Nobody really wants to read anything. Yeah. So you just have to <laughs> right. be able to glance at it and, and get the information because no one has time. And yeah. so if you can't deliver that information in like a blink of an eye, people are bored and they're back to Instagram. Right. And I remember in my undergrad, we did some uh, supervised, just generic nutrition counseling as part of one of our labs. And so we had uh, fellow students and then like some community members who could come in and sign up for nutrition coaching sessions with us. And um, so the difference was we couldn't cover any sort of medical disease because then that goes into the the dietitian realm. And so just it was just generic nutrition mm-hmm. counseling, like how can I lose weight or how can I you know eat better? So I had this man come in 
who was probably, uh, I think he was in his uh, 60s, uh, according to, if, if, I, if memory serves me right, he's like, I love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And I said, oh, well, you know, a really good way to modify a peanut butter and jelly sandwich is to, you know, do like almond butter or another type of nut butter. And he was like, what is that? And he had never heard of it. Yeah. And I was, that was a, such a huge wake up call for me because I'm like, just, oh yeah, do this, do that. And with my level of education, you know, I've been in school for a long time and <laughs> learned a lot of things. <laughs> and I forget that people are just like, oh, there are other types of nut butters besides peanut butter. I had no idea. And right. so that's why I really enjoyed for a while I was in the child nutrition world. And that's great because you get to start from the very beginning and be mm-hmm. like, hey, this is kale. And they're like, what? I've never seen this before. Or you're like, pineapple doesn't come in a can. This is how they grow. And some people don't know that. And it's right. just, it's it tends to be mind boggling to me and not in like a condescending type of way, but just like, you know, I've been seeing pineapples, fresh pineapples since I was, since I can remember, since I right. was like single digits. <laughs> and I'm very fortunate in that aspect or in that respect, because a lot of people in like the poorer neighborhoods we were talking mm-hmm. about, or just who have parents who are short on time or everything that they get is, is cooked for them. You know, like a kid is not expected to be in the kitchen. Like sometimes they go, mom sets the plate down and it's done or dad mm-hmm. sets the plate down. It's important that people know where their food comes from. And I think right. that that's a huge part of learning what is good for you is like, if you recognize it, then it's, you know, it's probably better for you than something that is coming out of a box or out of a can. But if you have to go to those processed or like convenience foods, they call them, that, or something that is pre-made for you from fast food, a fast food restaurant, just go with what looks most recognizable. Like, does it look like a chicken patty or does it look like a chicken breast, you know? And just those little subtle differences mm-hmm. where you can looking for the whole foods, like you were saying. And I think that's kind of the sad thing is we are so far removed from our food for the mm-hmm. most part, because a lot of us grew up in cities. Yeah. And, you know, you go to the store and you see it there. I, I'm I'm from California, so I don't even know what's seasonal because we have everything all right. the time. We are so spo- <laughs> spoiled. It's like, oh, see, I mean, I know stone fruit comes in during the summer and that's about it, mm-hmm. you know, and outside of that, we can have anything all the time. And sometimes mm-hmm. it tastes a little better. We don't, I don't have that knowledge of you know, avocado season is all the time. Thank <laughs> God. Right. And yeah. apples, I can get apples all the time. Right. Citrus, not a problem. You know, it's mm-hmm. growing on the neighbor's tree. So yeah. it's, we are a little bit far removed because we have grocery stores that supply what we ha- what we need. And we can get anything in a can or a bag. It's frozen. It's ready. Whatever we need is just really accessible for the most part. I mean, outside mm-hmm. of the food deserts, outside of the poor neighborhoods, if you're just a suburban chick like me, it, it's it's so easy and so easy to take for granted. Mm-hmm. And by that, we just, you know, we don't always think about where our food is coming from, how it's prepared. Is it genetically modified? What did it take to grow it? who's picking mm-hmm. it, who's processing it, all of all of that stuff we aren't really thinking of. Like, where in the world did it come from, really? Yeah. Because when you're talking about these big corporate food, fast food places, it's coming from all over the world. Right. It's not Bob's Farm, you know, yeah. 100 miles <laughs> away. It's coming from different countries and different places. And 
I don't know, it's, it's a little bit scary. And the other thing is, is Europe has very different food laws compared mm-hmm. to us. And all of those corporations follow those rules. Mm-hmm. But they don't do it here. And it doesn't affect their price point, doesn't affect their profit. But we're getting the shorter end of the stick because they're meeting that higher standard across the Atlantic, but not here and possibly across the Pacific. I don't even know yeah. <laughs> who has what law where. But, yeah. um, but we accept a lower standard for our food. I mean, Russia and China have stricter food laws into the, like, the food coloring and whatnot mm-hmm. than we do. That ought to scare us a little bit. So yeah. that's why I kind of harp a little bit more on whole natural foods because we don't know mm-hmm. really what our, what's happening with our food. Having things have to be certified as non-genetically modified yeah. is kind of <laughs> – should concern people. You yeah, know, no. it's so it's not as pure to me as I would like. Um, so I do, I I am in a position to where I can say just organic, and that's true until I decide to go to happy hour. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> because the organic places usually don't have happy hour. Yeah. But once I venture out and have dinner out and about, actually there is a restaurant. Mm-hmm. See, it's been so long. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if they have a proper happy hour. They have a very good bar, and it's all like plant based and organic. So can't wait for that mm-hmm. to be open. But yeah. it's it's uh, those compromises. Once once I leave my house, I don't know how things are made. No matter how good the restaurant is, I don't know what goes into it. Even if I ask, you just don't know. It's it's on kind of like a trust honor system kind of situation, mm-hmm. which is fine. Sure. But that's something also to keep in mind. You have control over what you put in your body when you're the one cooking it. Mm -hmm. You have no control once you get it out of a bag or a box or off of somebody else's plate. And that's something to keep in mind if you are trying to be more healthy. Yeah. And that's where I like to meet people where they are. So it's like, what is your specific situation? What improvements can you make where you are? You know, if it's just, you know, starting from like the fast food example, like what can you order on the menu that is going to serve your body better? Um, If you're already cooking at home, it's like, okay, so what would it look like for you to make the, to to beef up your casserole? You know, especially like speaking of food deserts, batch cooking is much more important in that realm because if you can only make it to the grocery store once a week, what Mm -hmm. can you make that you're able to store um can you get like dried beans or canned beans like what do you have room for because like you know some apartments in poorer areas don't even have kitchens or Mm -hmm. they have like a tiny fridge or a hot plate instead of a stove so based on your situation what can you make work and not making anybody feel bad about their situation but letting them know that there's always a solution based on where you are like sometimes it just takes a little bit more help from a professional or a little bit more effort. Mm -hmm. And I know that I I just love that because when I was in child nutrition, it fell under community nutrition. And there are so many great resources from health departments that are free. Um, And then WIC is a program that has a lot of really great resources um, for women 
and mothers and children, <laughs> women, infants, and children is what it stands for. Um, and it's a longer program name, but, uh, you know, so they have, if you just go to whatever local community center you have near you, they have some sort of nutrition guidance mm -hmm. that is, uh, usually state funded, but that is, you know, really quality and gives you somewhere to start and gives you some hope and, you know, like maybe even vouchers and food stamps, um, things like that have a lot of healthy options on them or, you know, desirable, good for your body options. <laughs> yeah. And so when we come to all of these food fads, when we come to like mm -hmm. the paleos and the ketos and the intermittent fastings, really they're not sustainable. Like you said, like once you go off, your your body's just going to kind of glom on to that forbidden food and hold on to those calories and it's going to be easy to gain the weight back and harder to get it off. What's sort of your advice for people that are kind of stuck believing that that's the healthiest way for them? Your your body will adjust and change to whatever changes you make because our bodies are amazing that way. <laughs> and so if you are saying, this is what we're going to eat from now on, this is what's going to happen. So take that and, and adjust to it, then it will. And so if that means that you're going to lose a lot of weight, then it'll do that as long as you continue with those adjustments. But does does that make you feel good? If it does, then then great. And by feel good, I mean like, do you have energy? Are you ever uncomfortably full? Are you ever uncomfortably hungry? Are you in a good mood? Are you in a good mood? <laughs> yes, that's the that's my main point, and I missed it. But um, <laughs> you know, like that's a huge thing with you know, the quality of the foods you're eating and, you know, balanced diet is such a cliche, but a lot of these fad diets are not balanced. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're, I don't believe in cutting out any entire food group and it's really difficult to do that. So almost kudos to people who are able to, because a lot of, <laughs> a lot of things are mixed, you know, like peanut butter, for example, is protein, fat, and carbohydrate. You know, that's why any diet that's like, oh, no, none of this, none of that, like zero carbs. I have a friend who uh, recently went through gastric sleeve surgery and she has, she's on these uh, groups in face on, uh, I think on Facebook and maybe another platform, but uh, where people will just be like, oh, I'm on a no carb diet and I ate this, this, this with carrots. And it's like, there's, <laughs> there are carbs and carrots, sorry. And so I think it's about defining you know, taking, if you want to, if you have like a specific program that you follow and it says like, no, no carbs or whatever, low carbs. If they're not educating you on how mm -hmm. not all carbs are created equal, educate yourself. And mm -hmm. if you want to take one of the fad diets and modify it to your specific lifestyle, I think you'll find that you, that the less strict it is, the better. Because you're, like I said, your body has its own innate cravings. Mm -hmm. And if it's discouraging to you, then it's probably not the healthiest thing for your body. It's probably not serving your body well. And most of these fad diets are excessively restrictive. And some people are excessively restrictive, or not mm -hmm. excessively restrictive, but they're just like a type A personality. Everything has to be just so. And that's if that's who you are, then that's who you are. And it, it might work for you. But really pay attention to your body mm -hmm. and what it's telling you. So if, if it's hard for you to get out of bed in the morning or you have an afternoon nap or, you know, every day, things like that. Or if you if you want to work out, 
but you don't have the energy, then maybe, you know, that's probably a problem. And Mm so I think my, my biggest nugget of advice is just take the time to research what you're, what you, what you're asking of your body by going into this fad diet mindset and mentality and commitment and like what your motivation is for doing it. Mm -hmm. I think it's just an excuse to eat bacon. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. The memes are, are amazing about (laughs) the fad diet. And I think also uh, what's important for these fad diets is getting, making sure that you're in contact with a doctor who's, Mm -hmm. or some sort of professional who is reading your, your biometrics regularly. So your cholesterol, your blood sugar, because I can tell you that I, I don't know, I don't want to say anything too polarizing, but Go if ahead. you're like, for example, I, I know people who have been on keto and they've done it, you know, either really strictly or like with their own little spin on it and they've lost a lot of weight, but their labs are not good is mm-hmm. all I'll say. So it's just, you know, think about what's in the, cause if you're eating like not all fats created equal, but whether you're eating avocados or bacon um, or avocado bacon sandwiches with <laughs> with no bread, <laughs> um, then it, your body is going to, I mean, your body's going to do what it can, but it's not going to be able to uh, to keep those levels down necessarily right. as far as cholesterol and things like that go. So, I mean, your body is, is, is going to tell you and I mean, you might feel it first, or you might feel fine, but then your your mark your um, your levels uh, or your labs are going to be telling a different story. So I think right. it's just really important to not do any of these sort of diet because a lot of like I said, a lot of these started out as medical diets, and so you're under medical supervision when you're doing them, mm-hmm. and they're usually uh, you know sometimes they're not long term because they're harmful to your body, and it's just to provide some sort of solution. Mm-hmm that is for your specific condition. And so you're under medical supervision. And a lot of times it's not just like, okay, this is what you need to do. Go. It's, uh, it's constantly adjusting and constantly changing. So if you don't have someone helping you monitor what's going on inside your body, then it's, it's, it might not be good news. Right. And again, if you're, if you're vilifying a plant, if you're vilifying something that grows naturally out of the ground, (laughs) And I'm not like, you know, hemlock is also natural, so we can have right. that argument too. But if you're, if you're vilifying a vegetable, I think you're doing it wrong. Right. If you're doing that and then saying highly processed, nitrate-laden, carcinogenic-laden pork product is super cool, there's, there's not a balance there. There's not a balance of logic, let right. alone anything else, because those processed foods even when you get like the the natural, you know, no nitrate, whatever, it's still, to me, like I'll do turkey bacon. I love it, the idea of it. And then it sits in my stomach going, are you happy now? Glad you did this. You know, it's like, no, I'm not. Right. <laughs> and it, every once, you know, I'll, I'll wait a year and forget and then go, oh yeah, this is why I don't do that anymore. Just because my body's changed and you have to, like you said, you have to listen to your body and you have to know like, yes, it's yummy. doesn't work for me. But to say a potato is bad, to say a yam is bad. No. Yeah. That's wrong. And, and granted I've outed myself, I'm grain free. Certain things work 
for my body in that way because of my allergies, because of my gastritis, because I'm a strange ranger. There are certain <laughs> things that I just, I take out because it works for me. Like I don't do dairy. That works for me. I'm not saying that you've got to like rule these things out, but once you know what doesn't work for your body, okie doke, that's fine. But to say that a vegetable mm-hmm. isn't your pal <laughs> is is just a little silly to me. And yeah, if you overdo it, if you're doing potatoes five times a day, chances are it's going to pack on the pounds. Mm-hmm. And if your potato comes um, in the chip variety, yeah, that's yeah. going to also <laughs> be a problem or the French fry variety, which are fantastically delicious. But it's it's still a wholer food than a ramen or you yes. know, a Dorito or whatever. You, you know, You know what I'm saying? You can still pick your poison. But Mm -hmm. the least processed, the most natural, the closest to how it was brought into this world is the easiest way to eat and the best way for your body. And like you said, visit a dietitian, get that education, learn where your body is at, get your labs done and, and learn what you need to be the best you. Absolutely. But do educate yourself. And then mm-hmm. also know what, what we were talking about before is with the labs, see who paid for that research. Because right. sometimes it's a Coca-Cola or mm-hmm. a big co- food conglomerate. And yeah. Don't sue me, Coca-Cola. Right. Um, <laughs> it's just, you know, just general names. They pay <laughs> for this research. And sometimes it is a little bit to their benefit in that regard. Right. It's not unlike... Anything else? Who is sponsoring it? Mm-hmm. And and look to see if, if there's a benefit. Remember all those health studies from tobacco? Like right. <laughs> cigarettes aren't bad for you. Yeah, they can yeah. they can they can BS the uh, they can BS the research when it behooves them. Yeah, it helps your lung function. Smoking <laughs> <laughs> that was real real news at one time. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the uh, like you were saying about the studies. There's a really great book that I read that I want to mention mm-hmm. called Salt Sugar Fat by Michael Moss. And it, it's really interesting because he goes into all these interviews with um, former executives of large companies mm-hmm. and talks about like what their what what was required of them or what was asked of them. And it was all, you know, to promote the business and promote their product, of course, because that's what they're there for. But they, you know, as far as like internal studies, internally funded studies, certain ingredient thresholds and and things like that, and like what they do to the food to make it addictive. Because I mm-hmm. know that you, you've touched on addictive foods before and the salt, sugar and fat all cause chemical reactions in our bodies similar to to Snack. drugs. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so heroin, it's, that's what they modeled right. after. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah. And it's no wonder that when they refine foods so much that they're down to their purest form of like, so it's like something that's pure sugar or like seven different times, ty- seven different types of sugar make this <laughs> food or are included in this food, all these different types of salt and fat. It's, it's really scary that thinking that the, like you were saying that certain foods aren't banned mm-hmm. because yeah, not all foods are created equal, but it's just, it's so important to, to know what the origin is. And like you were saying, if, if someone's like, Oh, like apples are bad or I don't mean, I don't know anybody who's ever said that, but you know, like, like well, nightshade vegetables do are bad. Yeah. 
Right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, and nightshades are bad um, for you. Yeah. Are bad for you. Yeah. yeah, nightshades are bad. Um, and nightshades the, are like potatoes and eggplant and tomatoes. I forget what else. Tomatoes, yeah. Yeah, it, anything that has that little like dried star leaf on top because mm-hmm. that originally starts it's wrapped in that and then it grows out of it. So that's how the easiest way to identify nightshades, cruciferous vegetables, like anything like that. It's interesting because you can't just stop at that and accept that. Like I'm a very skeptical person by nature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I don't believe anything anybody tells me without something to back it up. But <laughs> I mean, it's a little less extreme than that, but you know, especially when it comes to stuff like this, like for my personal health, like you deserve to know what this stuff that people are telling you is rooted in mm-hmm. and why because you deserve to have what's best for your body and so if someone's telling you oh this is bad because it doesn't work for them or because there's this like random abstract or uh, like random isolated study mm-hmm. that is just like oh this 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 one time we found this or don't even get me started on studies with like rats and other <laughs> animals because they're they're looking at how this compound works. Like I did a, a really interesting study uh, during my undergrad, this project on artificial sweeteners. You know, all I'll say is that they were giving these rats the equivalent of 300 cans of soda a day. So of course they got cancer. And I'm not I'm not saying that I'm not saying that artificial sweeteners are good or bad because I don't roll like that. But I'm just saying that you need to do your research and figure out the well, okay, spoiler alert, like they're just, they're just too new. There's not enough research on what they can do to our bodies because they were invented, you know, just a few decades ago. But there are other more natural artificial sweeteners. Right. Yeah, if you go like monk (laughs) monk fruit or Uh stevia, and I know everybody's got like an opinion on stevia. If you have to go that route, it's much better than like, it's like the the pink sugar, the blue sugar, the yellow sugar. People you seem to ask for them by color. (laughs) Um, not that the sugars are that color, but the packets, I just thought it was so funny. Like the older generations, like, cause I used to be a restaurant manager and they're like, do you have any pink sugar? And I was like, pink. And they're like, yeah, you know, and I was like, oh, you mean this brand? Yeah. And, and I don't mean to sound like a jerk when I I say that we're gullible or anything. We trust our government. And again, Mm -hmm. I don't want to also sound like a conspiracy theorist, (laughs) but we trust our government and we believe that what's on the shelf is safe for us Yes, because it's there. And well, we should have that trust, but it's there because a company wanted it to be, and it paid for a lobbyist to go and say it's safe enough. And but it's not a whole natural food. It's not something that our bodies recognize or necessarily want. It's an excuse for you to have a soda, which you don't need, with zero calories. So mm-hmm. have a mineral water that has bubbles in it, and squeeze an orange yes. in it. You know, there you got a flavor. You know, there are other ways <laughs> yeah. to do it that doesn't have to be processed and made with chemicals and, right. and filled with a bunch of artificial crap that isn't good for you, no matter how badly you want it to be. It's just not good for you. Give up the ghost. Right. <laughs> Sandra, it's about like the gradual change that nobody wants to make. Because I can tell you when I was younger, I've always loved tea and mm-hmm. I would put like four tablespoons of sugar in my tea when I was a kid like because I was like or you know kid to teenager to like maybe early 20s and like so much that my tea would get cold by all the sugar (laughs) so if you know anything about chemistry it's like you know it was a lot of sugar and 
So I gradually was like, okay, let me try like three tablespoons of sugar. Mm -hmm. Let me try less and less and less. And now I enjoy my tea with, with no sugar. And trust me, I still have plenty. I still have a sugar vice and I still have a salt vice and I still have a fat Mm -hmm. vice. But, you know, that's just like I'm talking about these small changes that you can make, you know, like how many grams of sugar was that that I was eliminating from my diet every day? And by diet, I mean like by my nutritional intake, right? not like a restrictive diet. But, you know, I just making those small improvements over time, you know, because it's been a certain amount of years Mm-hmm. Since I have reduced the sugar or like started drinking tea with no sugar mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll put like a spoonful because I I got some flavored sugars as a gift one time that were like, like, like lavender sugar or something. Ooh. So I put it in there, you know, so not saying never because I am not a never type of person. But, you know, it's like all those years of making that small change have benefited my body. I'm sure right. of it. Just making sure that you know the reason behind why you're doing something. Mm-hmm. is what's the most important to me. And so like educate yourself, educate yourself and make sure that it's <laughs> make sure it's a valid source. <laughs> um, you know, or just like a like science, you know? Like you can't like all this, you know, not Which to get political an, or the covid thing, but science, you know, we, yeah. we just we don't want to believe it. <laughs> we want to believe it's skewed. It's it's but it's basic. It's science. And again, if you don't want to believe anybody, believe the planet. What did it grow? It didn't grow a Snickers bar. Yeah. You know, <laughs> right. it grew dates. So if you want something super freaking sweet, let me tell you, dates will yeah. rock your world. And right. there are lots of other ways around it. It's just really interesting to me that we we don't realize how addicted we are to food. We don't realize how much we rely on it to fill us up emotionally or numb us emotionally. Mm-hmm. And that we do abuse it, which then, of course, becomes abuse to our bodies. And mm-hmm. so it, it, it can become this vicious cycle. And, you know, again, I'm coming from a place of privilege where I have the option to go to a store that's very near me that has an abundance of healthy food. So I'm talking from that experience. <laughs> but if we mm-hmm. really think about what we're putting in our body, and we really start looking at food as medicine and an investment in our health, yeah, that is going to change a lot of things. And it just because it's on the shelf doesn't mean it's good for you. Even if it says it's good for you, it doesn't mean it's good for you. If it came from a factory, n- not necessarily good for you. Yeah, if you want something, some interesting light reading, um, <laughs> <laughs> do a generic Google search of food labeling laws mm-hmm. and like food, like the terms that are regulated and which aren't, you know? So like organic, low fat, like sugar-free, like there's... I'll, I'll just tell you, sugar-free doesn't have to have zero sugar in it. It's like, right, right. you know. <laughs> or no sugar <laughs> added. Right. It's like, well, if you're if you're drinking orange juice, there's already sugar in it. So good yeah. that they're not putting more sugar in your <laughs> orange right. juice. Right. And it's tricky. It's misleading. And then some stuff, they'll be it'll be like a vegetable product. And they'll be like, trans fat free. And it's like, well, trans fats only come from animal products. So of course, that's trans fat free, but like anything to market it. And I mean, you know, unfortunately, good for them for being so tricky, because they do trick a lot of people Mm -hmm. with their language and people get very smart. And I understand that their goal is to, to market and to make money and make people buy their product. But how about just like making it more appealing and not trying to trick people? I don't know. 
But well, they, they want they want us addicted, so we keep coming back. Yeah. Exactly, and buying what we're craving. Yeah, like you were talking about with the like the the gradual, or you know the the water, the bubbly bubbly carbonated water. You know, it's it's important to it's like if you're a soda drinker who does drink a toddler size soda every day. <laughs> <laughs> how do you go from that to like a an unsweetened uh, carbonated beverage and that you go through a it's gradual. Yeah, yeah. But you, you're going to go through withdrawal. You are going to hate life for a couple days. Yeah. And it's, you know, like some people work better cold turkey, but I'm not one of those people. <laughs> so, you know, I went, you know, I went through my, cause I, I, I love soda too. I'll admit, but I, I went, yeah, <laughs> I went through a, like a gradual change of where I was just like, okay, let's cut down the amount of soda I'm drinking. Mm -hmm. Because at the time I was working in a place that had a soda fountain right behind me. So I was just like, you know, every day. Um, And I was like, how many, let me keep track of how much soda I drink by using a new cup every time. And um, so sorry, it was wasteful for that day, but sometimes, sometimes (laughs) Um, for an experiment, you have to (laughs) Yeah, in the name of science. Um, And so you know, I was like, okay, let me just reduce myself to a certain amount of soda. And then I was like, okay, let me reduce the days of the week that I drink soda. And then let me, let me mix it in like half seltzer water, half soda. And it's like, that's how I work is just gradually Mm -hmm. because it gives my body and my palate time to adjust. And yeah, there were definitely growing pains. And so I talk about listening to your body and stuff, but I, so I, luckily I had the education because mm-hmm. I was going through school at the time for nutrition. And I was like, okay, let me have an apple instead. Cause I'm really craving a soda and boom, my craving was, was gone. And I was like, it still looks really good, but I'm not like, I need it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I had to have it. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, just like the little changes. And if you mess up, don't beat yourself up is a huge thing too because right. it's a gradual change. Like I, I admit I definitely had those days where I was just like, I need 48 ounces of soda today. <laughs> and then afterward, I felt sick because my body was like, we're, I thought we weren't doing this, remember? <laughs> and, and that's a good thing because when you, when you do reintroduce some of those foods back, your body is, gives you the middle finger and yeah. you just kind of learn like, oh, I don't need that anymore. Right. And my body's going to tell me one way or the other that – we're on strike here. Like, yeah, don't do it again. Exactly. And I think a huge, uh, like there's this thing called the French paradox. And I think there are people who have written all kinds of stuff on it, but um, it's, it's essentially the question of like, okay, so French people eat like wine, bread, cheese, high fat foods, whatever. And so what's their secret? How come they look better than Americans who have these like overwhelming rates of obesity and disease? And they said that, I mean, just boiling it way down. The two main things that stood out to me are the portion sizes. They don't need mm-hmm. a whole block of brie uh, or not a block, <laughs> a whole wheel of brie. They, and they eat very rich foods mm-hmm. in much smaller portions throughout the day. And they walk a lot. They have a lot of exercise just as part of their natural, you know, daily. And it, of course, this is very generic. Like all of France is not like this, but the the general idea behind it is just, you know, have things that are more satisfying because, you know, you can eat like some of these, not to knock vegans at all, but some of these vegan desserts are like, they're like, oh, it's, it's made with sugar cane. So it's, it's, it's made with a plant. So, but the, the calories are like three times the calories of like what you would call a regular brownie. And I'm like, like, if you're a vegan, what are you doing eating cheesecake, quote unquote, 
that's not the point of being a vegan. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it depends on whether you're doing it for ethical reasons or health reasons or whatever. And some people need that gradual step down. So it's like, you know, like the, but yeah, it's the, pure fat, right? And lots of sugar. <laughs> yeah. And so it's, it's like, if you, if you need that substitute, if you're newly vegan and you need that, that step of like, okay, I, I love cheesecake, but I don't want to hurt animals or I, I want a better option for my body, mm-hmm. then I'm going to have this vegan cheesecake, but it shouldn't, I don't know. It's like you have to question question it a little bit, right? Like, well, definitely read the label because you're going to be shocked. Yeah, right. You're just going to be shocked. Yeah, especially if you're a, a health vegan and not a and not an ethical vegan. I I don't know. It, you have to really get down to why you're doing it and and then what it's doing for your body and what. But again, if, if you're if you're really going to be a vegan, it's not to eat the the double chocolate cookie. That's the size of your head. That's mm-hmm. kind of the antithesis of that kind of a lifestyle. I remember in college, I worked with a woman. We were both waitresses. And she was a vegan, but uh, or not a vegan. She was a vegetarian. She had root beer floats for lunch. Mm-hmm. I like, had a friend like that with fries. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, well, fries technically that's vegetarian, but that's kind of the not the point of being a vegetarian. That You're supposed to be eating vegetables and fruits right. and like whole foods and yeah. not, it's just like, I have a friend I love very much, and she was doing intermittent fasting, and then the first meal was macaroni and cheese. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> to me, it's like you've now starved yourself for 16 hours, and the reward is something that's just going to glom into your stomach, that's going to be very hard, hard to digest, cheese and pasta. Right. Sort of not a health food. So to me, if you're, if you're doing these kinds of things, you're doing it to be more healthy. Yeah. And that's where it really gets dangerous when, you know, people are like, oh, lose, lose weight quick or like I lost X pounds in whatever weeks. And I'm sure like I'm not saying you're lying. I'm just saying that like what does your body look like on the inside, mm-hmm. you know, and is that sustainable? Are you going to do more harm to yourself in the long run because you're going to like I said, gain all that weight back and then some plus have high cholesterol or these other issues. So it's like how do it's it should really be a focus on the lifestyle shift instead of the immediate results. And I I totally understand wanting to be like look a certain way for the beach or for the wedding. And you know, body image is a whole different episode. Mm -hmm. podcast. But you know, just how are you? How are you comfortable? You know, like what other things can you do besides putting your body through this drastic change in such a short period of time and then doing ultimately doing more damage? Because like, yeah, you'll have nice pictures or whatever, but is that worth it to you as opposed to like getting this lifestyle and and feeling healthier? Like you'll look better in pictures if you're just like glowing and because you're eating these nutrients and like you found this whole new way to replace things. You're not sluggish. Mm-hmm. You're not bloated mm-hmm. or swollen from like certain foods that you eat. You'll look better and happier and you don't have to look skinnier necessarily. Well, and, and I think a lot of times we do go to diets to feel better, whether we want mm-hmm. to admit that or not. Weight loss is typically the goal, but yeah. we don't feel good because we don't eat good. And that's kind of the thing to look at. Again, food really is medicine. You are making a decision about your health by what you put in it. And sometimes that's a decision that's already made for you because of where you live or what you can afford. Mm -hmm. So 
Yeah. That's something we absolutely need to fix in this country, the the food inequality. It's just Definitely. it's wrong. Yeah. And and healthy foods should not be out of anybody's price range. That's something else that needs to be looked at. I mean, you, you shouldn't mm-hmm. think that I'm gonna get more from this bag of Doritos than from this bunch of grapes or whatever. The the price difference is huge. So yeah, you're gonna grab what's under a buck. I get it. But if we're if we're not going to really look at how we treat our bodies by what we put in it and what we do with it, we aside from any physical limitations, we do need to exercise, whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. Dance. Go for a walk right. around the block. It doesn't have to be like CrossFit. It just needs yeah. to be something <laughs> that you do on a regular basis because that is really what makes it different than just, I'm going to really restrict what I eat. Well, that's only going to work for so long. And then your body's going to say, we can survive off of these calories because we don't move off the couch. I like to put it as how have you moved your body today, you know? And so then that way, if people have this negative idea about exercise or like aversion to exercise, then it it goes down better, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, because I personally love hiking. And mm-hmm. I mean, I use the word hiking loosely because sometimes I love a challenging like eight mile round trip hike or whatever. But sometimes it's just walking a trail in my neighborhood that's like a mile round trip. And it's just about getting out in the fresh air, getting some sunshine, vitamin D, like if that's available in your area. (laughs) Because after a while, you'll start to feel restless. Because I know I'm a very lethargic person. And I am happy just melting into the couch. And so it takes a lot for me to get moving every day. Mm-hmm. But I just feel so much better after I do, number one. But it's hard to remember that before you move. And number two, just being, you know, knowing that I'm doing my body good. And after a few days, I'll feel like I'm missing something or forgetting something or like just feel uncomfortable. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I haven't moved today. And my body mm-hmm. will mm-hmm. start to increase those energy levels and expect that energy just like with food you know like Mm -hmm. if you if you make food changes your body will start to be like hey nudge you in the right direction like hey we uh didn't eat this much yesterday I'm feeling kind of full you might want to stop and you know just mindfully eating is a huge part of it and Mm -hmm. not eating in like with distractions because I'll admit my family eats in front of the tv a lot of times and it's just you know, but I still, it's still possible to be mindful to focus on the five senses. They say like, how does it feel? How does it smell? How does it taste with each bite? And then that way you're not just shoving food down your throat. Right. It's, it's so much, it benefits your body because I feel it, it really does go, go down differently when you are paying yes. attention to what you're eating. And I, I think that's such a valuable skill to have. And it's, it, it's definitely, well, it's inherent when we're small. And then we tend to kind of lose it over time, which is sad. Mm-hmm. But it's not the end of the world. It's fixable. Like we can get back to that mindful eating as a natural, like a natural instinct. Right. Um, but it's, we just have to retrain ourselves. Well, thank you so much, Gloria. You are amazing. I've really enjoyed talking with you. You're so smart. Thank so smart. you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you're, you're so great to talk to, too. Very easy to talk to. And I, I really love your stances on, on nutrition. You can find Gloria on Instagram and Facebook at Savor and Soothe, and her website is savorandsoothe.com. And we'll keep an eye out for that, how to eat in a convenient, uh, at a 7-Eleven. Yeah. I'm so excited. I'll let you know. <laughs> please do. Please do. I'll pass it along. 
and get to know our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group at rootedpg.com. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this sassy little podcast, please rate it and review it and tell your friends about it. To get the podcast early, ad-free, and with exclusive content, be a patron on Patreon or get a subscription with Apple Podcasts. Go to the community page at sassylittlepodcast.com for more information. And let's connect. Find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at sassylittlepod or email me from the About page on the website. Until next time, take care. <laughs>